desire believe when I say that I want it that way tell me why ain't nothing but a heartache tell me why ain't nothing but a mistake tell me why I never wanna hear you say that I Whether you like the Jackson 5 or New Kids on the Block or One Direction or NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or BTS, we got something for you today because we're talking about boy bands. Let's go. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What is the key to real love and how come we're attracted to some people, but not other people. How come some people just got that spark that makes us notice them? And how come some relationships just seem to take so much work? Are there ways we can learn to kind of hack a relationship to, to make it better? Or is it all written in the stars? We're going to talk about that and much more today because we're talking about boy bands. I'm very excited. My guest today is Regina Boyd, who is a marriage and couples counselor. And she uh, also runs uh, the podcast, a podcast which talks on that topic as well. So I'm very excited to have her. Before we get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about Awaken Catholic and this show, Pop Culture Catechism. Uh, if you would like to support Awaken Catholic and specifically Pop Culture Catechism, go to popculturecatechism.com where you can become a patron of the show. They have six tiers that you can choose from and choose your giving level that fits with your budget or fits with your tithe. And you also get access to exclusive content in the Awaken app. With every episode, we we release exclusive content. And also many of the talks that I give as part of my speaking ministry are available in there as well. So uh, in for example, with today's episode, at the end of this episode, we will be uh, discussing... Um, how do couples reconcile and good ways for couples to reconcile. So if you want that content, what are you waiting for? Go to popculturecatechism.com, join our patron community. Um, and the app is not just for patrons. You can also go to theawakenapp.io and there's lots of free content there too. It's a great community for Catholics and, and Christians and uh, like-minded people who just want a little bit of less toxicity in their social media experience. It's a hub for all the shows on Awaken Catholic. It's an easy way to access all those shows uh, and also access for those who are patrons to get that exclusive content. There's also a prayer library there. There's a music library with lots of great Christian music. So lots of good stuff going on in the Awaken app. I highly recommend that you download it. But before we get into it, I need to tell you about popculturecatechism.com, where you can become a patron of this show, just like our patrons right now. Thank you to all our patrons, especially Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, Jacqueline and Ryan Olivet, Carl and Melissa Gore, Tom and Emily Comberiati, and Rob Smith. They and all our patrons get access to exclusive content, talks by me and other show hosts, uh, and uh, you know, pick one of the six tiers of giving at popculturecatechism.com, and uh, you get lots of perks and access to that community, including our conversation. So today on Pop Culture Catechism, I am happy to welcome my guest, Regina Boyd. Regina, how you doing? 
Hi, Mike. I'm doing great. Great. Tell Thanks us, for having me. I'm very welcome. We've been trying to put this together for a while, but the schedules didn't match up. And I'm 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 glad I was persistent. I'm glad you were patient and you got right back <laughs> to me. And uh, so I'm I'm very glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, I'm a therapist, uh, a wife and a mom. And basically what we do is we provide counseling and coaching for couples, families, and teens working around relational issues, parenting issues, those types of things. It all comes down to the heart of emotions and relationships. So mm. it's a little bit about, about me, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you also run a podcast. I do have a podcast. It's called Connecting Out Loud. And we talk about all of those things uh, related to building a good marriage, a healthy family life. Um, so whether it's specific to a couple or parent-child relationship, parenting interventions, I have a lot of guests on from time to time. So um, I've had different guests from Father Josh Johnson to um, Dr. Bob Schutz. So anyone okay. who can provide some, you know, psychological insights from their perspective is, is really fun mm -hmm. uh, to get to do that as well. Yeah, definitely check out Connecting Out Loud. I was listening to some episodes today and I listened to a, a few a few months ago when I first uh, found out about you and who you were. And I, after I was listening to her, I was like, oh, I got to have her on my show. She's got a lot of good stuff to say. Um, and it's just been a, a lot of good fruit for things that are going on in, in my marriage. So uh, thanks for what you're doing. I think you're, you're helping a lot of people with, with your show. And uh, I would assume in your practice as well. So thank you for thank that. Thank you. Thanks be to God. Yeah. So if you don't know what a boy band is, you probably know what a boy band is, but I figured we should get a definition. So I went to Wikipedia and Wikipedia says a boy band is loosely defined as a vocal group consisting of young male singers, normally in their teenage years or in their 20s. At the time of formation, they sing love songs marketed towards young girls mainly. <laughs> Many boy bands dance as well as sing, giving them highly choreographed performances. And they list uh, acts such as Jackson 5 and the Osmonds in the 70s and the 80s, New Kids on on the block in groups like boys to men uh in the 90s in the in the aughts backstreet boys and in sync 98 degrees o-town five lfo what many consider to be the golden era of boy bands and then in the, the 2010s more recently we've had groups like one direction bts the wanted and five seconds of summer and there's probably a lot more we could name and probably some of our listeners and viewers right now are like you didn't name this boy band and we can't name them all but they're not forgotten. So uh, I, I dressed inspired by uh, some of the more ridiculous boy band outfits. I've seen, I think fashion is part of being a boy band. In a boy band, you got to dress a little bit weird. So I decided I would I would dress a little a little bit uh, in in my boy band boy most boy bandly way today. So um, yeah, I catch the vibe. You got the vibe going. <laughs> All right, so. Um, what what do you what what do you like about boy bands? Like what what is it about you about them that makes you or makes anybody be like, oh yeah, I can dig this music? What is it? What do they have? So I mean, the middle school version of me <laughs> loves them <laughs> because yes. um, you know I think that's exactly right. They just spoke to my little girl heart at the time, and um, you know I think what's really nice about them is they're overall pretty positive. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot. Um, that's really high drama or ultra intense other than just tapping into those regular everyday human experiences that we've all had. We've all had that person that we wish liked us and, mm -hmm. you know, that we were not sure if they feel the same way or we 
we had someone we were connected to and we broke up and we're longing for them again. Yes. They just hit on all of those experiences or mm. you are with someone and you're in love and everything's going great. And so I think they just do a great job of tapping into those moments that we've all experienced and that just are, they just know exactly how you're feeling. Yeah. I feel like everyone uh-huh. can relate in a way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I forget what this is is called, but they've they've there's some name for this phenomenon where if you see one beautiful person, like you notice them, but if you see like a bunch of 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 people next to each other, it's like enhances the whole group. So if you see like a a bunch of girls together or a bunch of guys together, for some reason they're all more attractive because they're in a group. And I feel like boy bands benefit from that by having like four or five moderately good looking guys on stage, and then they're singing and they're dancing. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, they're all so hot! Like. <laughs> There's something about that. And uh, so like, I am I am not the target demographic for boy bands and I, I yeah. probably, probably never was. But, um, I, you know, I was into theater in high school and I was into acapella music. My brother was in acapella group and I, and I, I just loved acapella music from a, from a young age because my brother was into acapella music. And so I, I think that was kind of my gateway into um into boy bands was one through theater. Cause it is kind of theater esque singing and dancing. And that's, that's impressive what a lot of them can do. And then the, the, I find that the boy bands that I like the most are tend to be the ones that have the, like the best harmonies and do the most acapella stuff. And that, that really spoke to me as like, wow, there's, there's some impressive stuff going on here. Um, so mm-hmm. I love the harmonies. I love, love the dancing. Um, I also just like having more than one voice in a song. I think it can add a lot of power to a song to have another voice come in. I think hip hop does that a lot, you know, like there'll yeah. be one, one rapper on and then the second verse, whoa, who's coming in on the remix? Like there's a, there's a power to having a second voice come in and step into the limelight and then, oh, now it's, now it's their turn to shine. So, uh, and boy, boy bands kind of bring that into pop music. Um, what's very popular in, in hip hop and other, other types of music as well. Um, it's kind of fun and over the top, like they're, like I said, their fashions over the top, the dresses, over the, uh, the dancing's over the top. It's all kind of, um, it's almost a little vaudeville in some ways. Um, yeah. but I, I think you're right. It is, it is pretty good, clean fun. You know, it's something middle parents can feel okay about their, their middle school girls having a poster on their wall and it's pretty PG 13. And I think boy bands at their worst are when they start to get like kind of a little dirty, you know, like there was that, mm-hmm. um, there was that one in sync song called digital get down. And I feel like everybody oh, yeah. was just kind of <laughs> skeezed out. Um, and there was, I forget which boy band this was. It was one of the ones in the early nineties, like baby, when the lights go out and it was, I think that might've been LFO. Was it? I'm, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't know, but um, yeah, but I do remember that song. It was five says uh, Nick Dilatore. Oh, darn. <laughs> okay. Darn it. But I, I feel like a lot of times where boy bands start to go wrong is when they, they start to get a little bit too dirty. Like nobody needs to hear Nick Carter being like, am I sexual? Like, <laughs> okay, Nick Carter. Yeah, that, that I, I agree. That's definitely weird. <laughs> well, also just what I did was just weird because that was weird. But um, so, um, what made me want to have a, a talk about uh, boy bands today. Let's put that that picture I have up there. So the boy bands we're going to focus on today are uh, Backstreet Boys and Insync. These are ones from my era when I was in middle school and high school, uh, growing up. And then some. And then New Kids on the Block was kind of that was more when I was like you know five five and six, and maybe some of the girls I was in school with were into them, but it wasn't really my my era. And then uh, when I was a high school teacher. 
uh, which I, I did for about 10 years, uh, a lot of the students were into One Direction and more recently, BTS. So those are the groups we're going to focus on today. And I think there's some common themes. And I had this idea, you know, these groups, mostly they talk about relationships. Ooh, girl, you're so great. Ooh, girl, I want you so bad. Ooh, girl, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it's it, it, and it's kind of basic level stuff that speaks to our hearts. But I feel like there is some stuff that can be gleaned from it, specifically in relationships. And I was like, I wonder if there is a marriage counselor out there who's a big music fan. And so I was kind of searching around and I found you, Regina, like in your bio on your website, it like talks about like the music you like. And I reached out to you and you were like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm excited <laughs> we get to get to have this conversation. So the first question, very important. Um, what is the best boy band, Regina? And why is it in sync? <laughs> oh, no, you did not go there. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Reluctantly, I am a BSB fan, so I have to say BSB with probably Boys to Men are tied. Okay. Okay, okay. respect. Respect. Um, but you know, even though I am in the Backstreet Boy camp, I will admit that InSync does have some rhythm and musicality to their music that is enjoyable to listen mm -hmm. to. All right, so <laughs> but... tell me tell, tell I'm just messing with you, but tell me tell me about Backstreet Boys and um and boys to men and what you like about them, then I can, I can, I can fanboy about NSYNC. So. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, Backstreet Boys, ultimately the best because again, that's just my middle school heart. But what I love about them is they just seemed very relatable, very personable, um, very classic marketing, you know, like there was something for everybody in each of those characters. <laughs> um, and um, I think that they just um, emulate again, to me, a real purity in, in love and pursuit, a male pursuit of a woman. Mm. And I think they really do a great job of tugging into those heartstrings uh, of the female heart. And it's, I mean, song after song, they just, in my opinion, they hit it out of the park every time, you know, in that, as far as that goes. They have, um, some, re they have some really good okay. songs. They have some great yeah, songs. Yeah, really good songs. Like even on even third and fourth album, there are some bangers on there. So That's yeah. true. Sorry, That's I cut true. you off. Get, finish what you're no, saying. No, no, you're good. You're good. And when I'm <laughs> thinking about Boys to Men, I'm, you know, remembering, you know, Motown Philly, like you mm. said, the harmonies. I mean, Boys to Men with harmonies, that's really hard yeah. to beat. Yeah. I don't really know many Coolie other. High harmony. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I don't know many other bands that can vocalize the way they do. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have to put them up there for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Boys to Men. Boys to Men is up there. Uh, Boys to Men was, um, I remember the first time I ever bought a cassette tape that was not like, it was music that I liked and it wasn't just music that like my brothers liked or my parents liked. And it was, uh, MC hammer and boys, uh, MC hammer too legit to quit. And, um, boys to men, coolie high harmony. And I bought those like two tapes with my Christmas money and I like brought them home and I started playing them. And my brothers were like, what is this? We listen to Bon Jovi. Like <laughs> we listen to you too. Like we're, we're a rock and roll house, little brother, you know, <laughs> let's initiate you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, very cool. So my, uh, obviously my favorite boy band is in sync and it is because they, they, ha they harmonize so well boys, uh, back, boys to men and backstreet boys both do a lot of harmony, um, acapella stuff, but I just feel like in sync has the whole package. They dance, 
Um, they got tons of great voices and not just one or two good voices. They all have good voices. Lance. Yeah. I mean, he's okay, but the rest have fantastic voices <laughs> and, um, and they all can dance. And, uh, yeah. And JC, good grief. The pipes on that guy. He's just, uh, he's, of all the boy bands, he very he's good. amazing. I think it's like mm-hmm. all, all the like boy band voices. It's like, JC is number one. Brian Luttrell from Backstreet Boys is number two. He's my favorite one. Yeah, he's got an amazing voice. And he did a Christian album. I don't know if you he knew did. that. Yeah, he did I a Christian album that. back in like 2006. Um, and then maybe maybe Zane will throw in. Zane from One Direction has a really good voice. I'll throw him in there. Um, but yeah, just I, I, I love NSYNC. And, uh, you know, all my all my, my like junior and senior high school, like all my friends were into them. It was like all the school dances and the proms. So I just have a lot of uh, fun memories, like uh, some some of my buddies. And I tried to learn the um, the dance, too. It's going to be bye, me. Bye, bye, No, oh, well, it's going to be yeah, me. Yeah, it's going to be me like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that just that's an iconic <laughs> song. So um, but I in do, my school, I, I have memories of the guys going down the hallway doing bye, bye, bye. And stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and like so. when it was dress up as a celebrity day, like there were three different groups that dressed up as in sync. So yeah, yeah, it was just it was it was fun to be in high school at that time. So um, let's talk about uh, some of the songs, and the song that really made me want to talk about uh, this from a relationship point of view. It's a, think of this as almost like boy band pre cana like boy band marriage <laughs> prep is I want it that way, which I, I think is like the, as much as I say in sync, I think is the best boy band. I think I want it that way is like the quintessential archetypal boy band song. It's got a key change. It's got like the different guys singing at different parts. It's just, mm-hmm. it's perfectly crafted. Uh, uh, Max Martin is the songwriter. I love Max Martin. He's written so many good songs and this is just classic Max Martin song. Um, and, uh, they kind of talk about this song is like, yeah, it doesn't even really make sense. The lyrics don't even make sense. But in my experience of marriage, it totally makes sense. Like how many, (laughs) how many (laughs) conflicts come down to, I want it this way. Well, I want it that way. I never want to hear you say that you want it that way because I want it that way. Like that makes total sense to me. Like that is a real conversation that has happened in my house. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Like so, um, we have you have this desire between you. You love each other. You want each other. But you know, may- maybe you're married now, or maybe just you're just further along in your relationship, and and you're starting to work on some issues, and you realize like, oh, we're not 100 percent compatible all the time, and how do you start to work through these times when you realize, oh, we love each other, but now we're, we're two worlds apart. There seems like there's something between us. And, and um, so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you can give us some advice from, from your practice. Um, you know, let's say a couple comes in and it's just kind of they're they're disagreeing in kind of an unhealthy way about different things that they want. Just kind of normal, everyday things. Do you have anything you can you can speak to that? Yeah, the first thing I would say is that's totally normal. Like you Mm -hmm. said, it's for every relationship. It's, you know, it's true because that is the experience that if you're going to have more than one person involved in a situation, there's going to be a disagreement inevitably. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people assume that, you know, a good relationship is means I never argue or I never have a disagreement. And that's not true. It's really about how you argue, how -hmm. the disagreement occurs that makes a difference. But Yeah, I think there's um, some really cool concepts out there. Dr. John Gottman, I'm a huge fan of him. I've done several trainings with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, he talks about this concept of 
solvable versus insolvable problems. And um, the statistic is crazy. I think it's like 69% of problems in a relationship, he would say, are unsolvable. And so when you find yourself having those arguments over and over again, like one of you is always on time, one of you is always late, one of you is the morning person, one of you is the night person, (laughs) and you get frustrated. You say, look, I told you a hundred times, can we please just be on time? Like just once, please. Mm -hmm. Um, That is something that would be considered unsolvable (laughs) and maybe more in tune with somebody's personality and the traits that they have. And so, The shift is, again, shifting to how do we discuss, how do we have a conversation around that unsolvable problem as opposed to interpreting it as this is, um, you know, you're doing this on purpose or Mm -hmm. interpreting as you must not care enough about me to want to change this. Yeah, or you disrespect me. Exactly. You disrespect me. Um, And so when we can change our perspective in that way and really get to the deeper meaning behind it. Why, why do I care about being on time? Why do I value that so much? Mm-hmm. And what is it about me that's making me so frustrated? And what, it, what have I told myself about being on time or being late really, that's making me so upset. Mm-hmm. And so when we can <clears throat> tap into those things, then that helps smooth the conversation a lot more. So I would just tell people, Oh, another thing I would say too, I'm kind of tangenting here. No, that's fine. So a lot of, a lot of times people will think, you know, well, you know, I'll just use my own, my own self as an Mm -hmm. example, but you know, I could look at another gentleman or another relationship and say, well, you know, Mark, so Mark's on time, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I should be with him because Uh he's on time and I'll solve all my problems. I can be on time to everything. And what people don't realize is that might very well be true. I could go leave my current relationship Mm -hmm. And go be with Mark and we could be on time to everything together mm. for the rest of our lives. However, Mark has his own set of problems <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. that I will then have to deal with that are going to be different than in my current relationship. And so mm. you might be avoiding and changing one problem, but each relationship and each person comes with their own set of problems that are going to rise up. You know, like I said, anytime two people are involved, there's going to be conflict. Yeah. Inevitably, mm-hmm. it, you're just changing what type of conflict you're going to have. Ooh, okay. um, so, uh, so <laughs> I, you might as well figure it out, right? Try yeah, to have that dialogue. That's, 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 that's really interesting. Um, that makes me think of so many things, but just, uh, I, no, I, I, dated a lot through my college years and and through my twenties, probably too much. I probably dated too much, but I, I found that was true just in a dating relationship is I would think like I'd get out of one relationship and be like, all right, well, my next relationship, I want to make sure that I have a girl who is this, this, and this. And it was things that weren't true about the last girl. And then then my next girlfriend, she'd have those three things, but then she'd have other things that the first girlfriend had that I never really appreciated and kind of took for granted and be like, oh, well, those things were pretty important to me too, (laughs) you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Like part of the, what makes the relationship work is not finding someone you're 100% compatible with. Cause I don't think that exists, but finding someone that you can work with your incompatibilities. And, um, I, I think what you said about the solvable versus unsolvable problems, uh, my, uh, the priest that did our marriage prep, me and my wife, Maddie, he said that couples that, that stay together for a long term or couples that break up, they don't argue more or less. You would think the couples that break up argue more, but he said the difference is not in how much they argue or disagree. The difference is in how 
they disagree. And he says the, he said the couples that, um, are successful is they see each disagreement in each fight as you and me versus the problem. Whereas couples that eventually break up, the less healthy ones are the ones that see it as you versus me. And the you versus me couples are the ones that that animosity builds and builds and builds. Whereas the couples that can see it as you and me versus the problem, they're the ones that are able to, you know, have, have long-term love and have a much healthier relationship going forward. So that's something we, we often remind ourselves of is if one of us, me or Maddie, one of us is getting heated, the other one says, we're on the same team. I'm on your team, you know? And that's like such a helpful reminder. Like, oh yeah, I was seeing it as you versus me when it's not really you versus me, it's us versus the problem. So. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. fantastic advice. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people remembered that <laughs> and kept that in mind, it would make such a huge difference because um, if one of you wins the argument, the other one loses. Oh and yeah. That means your marriage loses, your relationship loses, um, ultimately in the end. So and you never want to be you versus me. No yeah. way. That's a really good point. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make your spouse lose. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it seems so obvious when you say it that way, but how many mm -hmm. times have I been like, well, I'm right. I'm going to win. Ha. ha. Right. Point, point <laughs> proven, you know, and I feel really right. good about myself, but you know, what does that get me? Um, right. So speaking of trouble in relationships, uh, I was talking about, it's going to be me. And I lo just love that, that, that little, uh, walk down baseline that they have the, uh, I could just play that all day. I think that's, it, it's just so fun musically. And then of course the memes of Justin, it's going to be May. And you know, just, oh, that yeah. <laughs> it gives me an excuse every May to go back and listen to the no strings attached album. <laughs> and I love it. Um, so I want to talk about this song because it's about trouble in relationships. It's everything I do is not enough for you. Actually, don't, uh, Brent, I don't have the uh, lyrics for this one, so you can, you can leave it off. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, everything I do, it's not enough for you. Um, and it's basically kind of this situation. It's like, I do all this stuff, and I know you've been hurt in the past, but I'm going to be better for you, and you don't appreciate me, but someday you'll realize that it's going to be me. I was the I was the one all along, and it's kind of this snarky, um, you know, you didn't recognize what you had, but someday you will, because I'm all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to talk about what causes like what are the things that you really got to look out for? If you want to make sure your relationship doesn't, isn't, isn't toxic. And I know every relationship has issues, but what are the things you really need to watch yourself for in your relationship and, 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 and try to try to fix? Yeah, there's four things you definitely want to listen, <laughs> listen for or watch out for. So those are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. They're called the four horsemen of the apocalypse of a relationship. So Ooh. if you notice, there's a lot of critical remarks to one another. If you receive a criticism or a request from your partner and they are, you're being defensive about that, you're quick to defend as opposed to taking in that information and figuring out something to do about that, that's a sign. And that's a tricky one because that, I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, contempt is interesting because contempt is like criticism on steroids. So mm. criticism kind of breeds and leads to contempt where we start to have a 
seething resentment and underlying resentment to our criticism, you know, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're too lazy, right? You're too lazy. You wouldn't want to pick that up anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Here I go again, cleaning the dishes right after you, because that would be too difficult for you. Mm -hmm. So contempt has this sarcasm and bitingness to it. That's a little different than your average criticism. Mm -hmm. And then stonewalling is essentially what is known as shutting down. Mm -hmm. The, the conversation gets too overwhelming and you are either, checked out in some way, you're non-responsive. So that can look like turning on the TV to tune somebody out, leaving the room, just a glazed over kind of look and no longer engaging in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so if you notice those four things, and like I said, those things will come and go from time to time. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to panic, you know, oh my gosh, I criticized somebody the other day. You're not like absolutely doomed if you have these. (laughs) Right, exactly. You're not absolutely doomed. Um, But if you see all four of those on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, like daily, on the regular, Mm -hmm. for weeks, months on end, now we're starting to be very concerned. Call call Dr. Regina. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because those really are um, what can end up leading to a divorce, leading to the end of a relationship if mm-hmm. that gets too ingrained in your normal everyday patterns of conversation. Is it, did you find couples are able to like break those, those habits if they work at it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is awareness. So if mm-hmm. you can catch yourself and recognize those patterns, what are those things that you usually get hooked up on or tripped mm-hmm. up on? Um then you can start to intervene on your own behalf and sort of stop yourself. Or if you're willing to, this can be kind of touchy, but if you felt like your relationship was strong enough where you could call each other out, Mm -hmm. that's a tricky one because then you might cause another fight, right? Like, don't Mm -hmm. call me out on that. How dare you? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you only see what's wrong with me, but not what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really careful with that one. But if you could get to a place where you guys agreed to have some type of code word, maybe Mm -hmm. it could be any word, you know, watermelons, whatever, like just to say, like you were saying before, okay, we're, we're outside of this and we want to solve this problem together. So we're going to be having each other's back and looking out for, you know, when we notice criticism pop up or, Hey, I think we're doing that negative pattern of communication again, you know, Mm -hmm. watermelons. And that's our clue to just take a step back and say, okay, how can we reword what we're trying to say? Mm -hmm. How can we be kinder in our conversation to one another? Yeah. I think that's kind of like what I said before, sometimes we'll say like, I'm on your team. Like that's kind of like our code word (laughs) is like, just remind ourselves. We're, we're, we're on the same team. That's, that's really interesting. And Um, the more you do that over time, the more it'll become a habit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't even realize what they're doing or the effect it has on other people. Like, Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't stonewalling. I just, I just needed some time to think through. Um, or maybe your family didn't talk about problems going up, growing up. And so you thought when people had a fight, what you needed to do was just kind of lay low until things calm down and then you could just go back to normal and things didn't get addressed. And maybe that was normal for you growing up, but now that you're in a relationship and you're trying to do better, well, now that same behavior is perceived as, as stonewalling. So it does take some self-awareness. And that's, I think where, where somebody on the outside, like a, a counselor can be so um, effective. I, I find a lot of times, and you can tell me if this has been your experience, I find in Christian circles and Catholic circles, 
a lot of times people are reluctant to go see a counselor. They're like, oh, we talked to our priest about it, or I went to confession about it, or I went to my spiritual director. Um, but they don't want to go to a counselor because if I go to a therapist or a counselor, now I'm crazy. Now our marriage is in trouble, right? And we don't need that. But we talk to our priest. And I, f- I feel like it's real easy in Christian Catholic circles to like kind of over-spiritualize these things. And they're just like, well, if we just pray a rosary all the time, not that praying a rosary is bad. I love praying the rosary. I pray the rosary all the time. But um, I, I don't think, uh, do you find that, that people over-spiritualize their struggles sometimes and, and try to try to pray their way out of it and kind of avoid some of the hard work that needs to be done? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily them avoiding the hard work, but mm-hmm. I think that we just put this blanket, you know, the Catholic blanket over everything and say, you know, pray, offer to God. And all those things are true and beautiful. And at the same time, we have to have a perspective about the other things in this world that are helpful to us. So for example, if somebody had cancer or diabetes, we wouldn't judge them for going to chemo treatment and getting insulin. We wouldn't say like, oh, just offer it up, pray your rosary and your cancer will be gone. But we're still, we're there. We're holding their hand in the hospital with them. We're mm-hmm. bringing them food and, you know, driving them. And we're also praying the rosary. Yes. And we're yes. offering masses and mm-hmm. communion and whatever we're doing for them. And so the same thing with a relationship. You don't want to wait until you're about to get divorced to go yes. to therapy. Because that really, that's too late, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You've had all those habits and everything ingrained. There's so much pain and hurt. It's really hard to undo a lot of that. I think on average, couples don't usually seek therapy until six to seven years after issues have shown up in their relationship. So just think about that. Living in a certain way, six to seven years, it takes a long time to undo all of that Mm -hmm. work and all of those bad habits that have been formed. Mm -hmm. And so um, prayer is wonderful and good, but there's also really great professionals out there that can help us and help us analyze the dynamics of a relationship, see all of those aspects and help put a spotlight on what you can do as a couple to improve those dynamics um, with strategies, with tools, with, you know, maybe some mental, additional mental health support, depending on what's influencing the dynamic and then be on your way, you know, go get the insulin, Go get your chemo treatment, go to couples therapy. It's, you know, it doesn't mean it's a disaster, but we mm-hmm. have things in place. You know, we have eye doctors, we have things in place to help us when we need help. And, you know, that's the same thing. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you said, it. you know, what it reminds me of is in, um, I forget exactly where in the letter of James in the new Testament, um, he's, he's calling out some of the Christian communities and he says, you know, if a brother comes to you and is hungry and needs food and you're like, God bless you. I'll pray for you, but you don't actually feed him. Like, what good is that? Like, God made us both a body and a soul, right? We're not just a soul. Like, that's not Christianity. Like, that's 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 Gnosticism. That's 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 a heresy we we got rid of a long time ago. That we are a body and a soul, and we're not just supposed to serve people's souls. We serve people's bodies. That's why we have corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Um, and I, I, what I've studied, one of the things I studied, uh, I was a high school teacher. And so, uh, in our education class, we talked about like Maslow's hierarchies of needs. So like to feel safe and be able to have intimacy, which is kind of a, a higher level need you need to, um, well, I'm, I guess I'm getting those backwards to feel, to like have a level of intimacy. You need to first feel safe. Like if a kid is hungry, he's not going to be able to learn at his desk. You need to satisfy right. that lower level of needs. And it's kind of similar to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy is 
you, you got to feed people. You got to clothe people first. And then like, then that's the next level of the gospel. The first level of the gospel is to proclaim liberty to the captives and, and raise up the downtrodden. And, and as you're doing that, then they're open to, um, you know, the word, the words of the gospel. Um, and not that we shouldn't preach the gospel to people. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that, but uh, we got to do the whole thing. It's not an either, or it's a both. And as we're so often, uh, so fond of saying in, in Catholic circles, you got to do both. And the same thing is true for our marriages. You can't just pray for your marriage. You got to do for your marriages. As, as St. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. We got to do both parts of it, serve the body and the soul. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, th- this is good. This is really good stuff. Um, I want to talk about, uh, oh, there's so many good, good songs that have, um, from boy bands that I feel like have this like great, beautiful vision of marriage. And I- I'm thinking of songs like, uh, one directions, little things. I don't know if you ever heard that song. It was actually written by Ed Sheeran, but it's, a, it's this beautiful reflection on like the, the girl and she has, like all these insecurities, she has to squeeze into her jeans. She has these crinkles in her eyes. She has these dimples in her back and she hates them all. But he's like, no, these are all the little things that I love about you. And they all add up to you. And, and I, uh, and it's you, they add up to is the, is the line. Um, I'm in love with you and all these little things is what it says. It's just a beautiful reflection. Um, I, I feel like that's a, that's a great image of, of what marriage should be. Or I'll think of Backstreet Boys. Uh, I'll never break your heart. There's, um, Instinct has this, I promise you. Um, Mm -hmm. One Direction has Drag Me Down. That's another another great song. Like nobody can drag me down when I'm with you. Like there's the the power of a good, healthy relationship to just help people face life's trials. Um, Maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about like tell us about some of the the success stories. I know you can't share too much because of confidentiality and that sort of thing. But like, what is it? What does it look like when a couple is addressing these things, not just letting them build and build and build. Like what is, what is the the vision of the beautiful marriage look like from, from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, when I'm working with couples who really are willing to jump in there and do the hard work, it is, it does kind of feel like <laughs> I'm floating a little bit, like I am listening to one of those songs <laughs> um, because it's just so cool to watch it unfold, to watch people sharing their hearts, being vulnerable, opening up. There's emotion sometimes, you know, there might be tears here and there, but mm-hmm. It's all, it's that moment of connection where people are willing to, you know, when you're talking about sharing your imperfections, that's really scary to be vulnerable with someone in those Mm -hmm. moments. And I think that's where a lot of conflict can come up is because, you know, does my relationship feel safe enough? And, you know, do I even want to share with you how my day was? Because the last time I said something about my day at work, you know, (laughs) there was criticism or there were, you know, you made fun of me or you or you said something about how I should have done something different when really I just wanted somebody to hear me out and, you know, somebody to lean on in that moment. And so you want to talk about imperfections. That's a way of me emotionally hiding an imperfection of mine of Mm -hmm. having a bad day at work and being scared to share that. And so being able to have those moments are so critical. And so the couples who are willing to go there, who can provide a sense of safety in their relationships, who can turn towards one another in those moments when somebody has a bid, which, you know, a bid for connection is uh, any type of 
desire to connect or get the attention of your beloved. So that could be, you know, oh, wow, you're driving down the road and you're like, wow, look at that house. You know, the paint is nice. Oh, that mailbox is so cool. Mm -hmm. And the other person has a choice in that moment. They could be, uh, they could respond to that bid, turn towards the bid is what we would say. And they could turn and look and say, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, that is nice. Maybe we should order a mailbox like that or something. (laughs) Or they could, um, turn away from the bid that that looks like ignoring maybe they were the passenger scrolling on their phone don't look at all don't, or maybe a grunt like uh uh-huh, you know <laughs> but not really acknowledging it <laughs> <clears throat> or you could turn against a bid you know mm-hmm. which is even worse of saying you know oh my gosh there you go again I always want to spend our money like who cares about a mailbox like mm. you know and so these things are so important. So the couples who are successful are very attentive to those bids. Mm-hmm. When somebody wants to make a connection, they respond every time they turn towards, not every time, but more mm-hmm. than uh, enough, yeah. the majority of the time. I think you need that five to one ratio. That's um, that's, that's really interesting. I think, I think so often we just look past those things as that's just normal things like, oh, look at that. But that's, that's an interesting perspective that those are actually that person bidding for attention and wanting, wanting to connect. Um, (laughs) I feel like, like that's, that's me in my relationship. I'm more the extrovert. My wife is more the introvert. So I feel like I'm like the puppy. That's almost like, let's do something. Let's, let's go do something. (laughs) You know, I feel like sometimes she's even just said to me, like, do you need attention? And I'm like, yes, I need attention. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's great. She responded yeah, to your bid. Absolutely. She knew. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's been a it's it's been a, a process for us like learning to like me realizing like, oh, maybe I don't always need to be reaching out so much, you know, maybe I need to find other things to do. Um and maybe, you know, and then her learning to to recognize my bids as well. And then she she has bids for attention in in other ways. Um you know, that I wouldn't necessarily recognize. I don't, I don't know if you, you think there's anything valid in, in love languages, but I know for, for, um, something my wife and I've talked about is, um, like how we consider what, what is quality time. And like, for me, quality time is like very active. Like we're going to go do something. We're going to have a conversation or we're going to have an adventure or we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like there's something that we're doing together. Whereas her, like we could just be next to each other and, that's quality time. And it took us a while to realize like her just wanting me around was a way that she, um, that she showed me she loved me. Like when I was back, when I was, I was working as a teacher, she would text me like every day at two 30 and being like, when are you coming home? And I think for a while I almost saw that as like nagging. And I learned over time, like, Oh no, that's her way of bidding for attention and saying like, I love you. I miss you. I want you to be home and not like get home right now. Stop working, you know? <laughs> so right, it, right. <laughs> it took, that took some while to, to understand that that was her reaching out. That was her way of saying that she loves me. Um, so do you think I was saying that I'm, I'm more the extrovert. I'm more the one that's like bidding for attention more often. And I, I see in these boy band songs, um, men that are very attentive to the woman, right? They're going to, they're going to fulfill every dream. Um, this I <laughs> promise you, you know, no matter what you I'll never break your heart. Um, can some of that be a little bit unhealthy? Like can, can people almost like make their spouse or their, their boyfriend or girlfriend, can they like put too much on them? Do you see that happening sometimes? Yeah, I think there's uh, needs to be some moderation of expectations at times. Okay. Right? Um, so <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. There's like, 
I get, I think we grew up, you know, too, with Disney and all of these ideas of riding off into the sunset. And again, that's great. It's feel good, but it's not necessarily everyday life. You know, those Mm -hmm. might be, we all have those riding off into the sunset moments. We have those peak days throughout our life, but it's not the day-to-day, like when you're driving by the house, commenting on the mailbox, you know, that's not going to be your sunset moment. And so I think it's important to make sure our expectations of one another are realistic. Yes, um, okay. That we're not going to be have that euphoric boy band experience mm-hmm. type of romance all the time. Yep. You know, not every date <clears throat> night is going to be traveling to Venice and going on a gondola ride uh-huh. and, you know, all of these romantic things, you know, mm-hmm. by candlelight. Sometimes your date night's going to be sitting on the couch exhausted mm-hmm. and in sweatpants and, you know, just hanging out, you know? So, um, you, you mean, I think, you mean married couples don't have sex every night? You mean that's what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> maybe some, some might. Some yeah, might, some. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, but, just managing uh, expectations here. Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely not. Don't, don't, don't put that as an expectation, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially yeah, that, once kids come along. Yeah. That not. was, that was something we talked about in marriage prep is our, our, uh, yes. our priest, you know, which we were a little shocked at first, but he was like, so how frequently do you think is reasonable for a married couple to have sex? And we're like, Whoa, okay. So we're going there. (laughs) But that was a helpful conversation for us for, for the first years of our marriage. And even, even we're almost 10 years in like that. It's been good to manage those expectations. So. um, Absolutely. I think everyone should have that conversation, you know, especially once you're engaged and leading up to marriage, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're on the same page about Mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah. I think, I think especially in Christian Catholic culture, um, you know, we talk a lot about chastity and we talk a lot about purity and that's great. I've given a lot of chastity talks, purity talks. I think, um, you know, chastity and purity are, are great. Um, that I always try to pair it with a message of reconciliation for, for people that have made some mistakes. Um, but I think sometimes in our quest to like show with the beauty of marriage and the beauty of sexual love within marriage, sometimes we can kind of, um, I think sometimes we give people the wrong expectation that like, oh, once you get married is just sexy time all the time. And there's no, it's just, it just happens. Whereas like, then you get married and oh, well, you know, people grow up with, you know, trauma and abuse and, um, you know, shame and all like lots of people have all sorts of issues surrounding sex and there's physical issues, emotional issues, um, psychological issues and all that stuff has to, has to be worked through. Um, and that doesn't mean the chastity and the purity stuff isn't true. It's absolutely true. I I believe it 100%, but it's not, it's not just wait until you're married and you're going to have this amazing intimate sex life. Um, there's more to it than that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And all of those ideas about what were you taught even about sex growing up? So trauma aside, what, what did your, what were your family conversations around that? What, so what did you believe? You know, did you believe it was a good thing or not? And if you thought it wasn't, then what are you going to think when you are married Mm -hmm. and, you know, about to engage in that marital embrace? And so all of those things can influence how we approach our relationships. Yeah. One of my, <laughs> there's a couple I was, I was uh, very close to. And, uh, after they got married, I was like, we were just catching up. We hadn't seen each other in a few months and I was just asking them how things were going. And we, we had a very, I was, I was very good friends with both of them. And they like, I, I was privy to a lot of things that probably most people wouldn't, but they, uh, I remember her saying at one point, like, it's weird that sex is okay now. Like it's like before it wasn't okay. And now it's okay. 
and I'm still working that out. You know, like I think that transition can be hard for some people. Um, yeah. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I, I, I cannot let this episode go by without talking about probably the biggest boy band song of the last uh, 10 or 15 years, uh, One Direction's That's What Makes You Beautiful. Do you know this song? It was... Yeah. Yeah, it's been everywhere. Baby, you light up my world like nobody else. The way that you flip your hair gets me overwhelmed. The way you smile at the ground, it ain't hard to tell. You don't know. Uh-oh. You don't know remember when that song came out it was um probably 2013 2014 somewhere in there and i was doing a lot of summer camps with with teens that summer and we first of all just everyone was listening to us all over the radio but we took it uh i was i was part of a group of musicians it was i was the adult leader and then we had a bunch of teenage musicians and we would travel around those different service sites and do music and we went to this adult daycare for people with cerebral palsy so um people with cerebral palsy, their families would take them to be cared for during the day. So these people have all sorts of, um, you know, physical and, and, and mental, uh, disabilities. And, uh, we would do music for them. And when that song, when we started playing that song and I just got my acoustic guitar and there's a bunch of other kids with guitars and we're, we're all singing and dancing, like the room just came alive. And I will never forget this room of like random teenagers. And then all these people with cerebral palsy at all different levels of, um, of functionality and awareness, just like screaming at the top of their lungs in each other's face. Like you are beautiful. That's what makes you beautiful. And it just like, I know that's not what the song's about, but it will forever speak to me that way (laughs) that just like, there's like, there is beauty in you and just like the, the, the dignity that each one of us has as humans. Um, so I know that's not the meaning most people assign to this song is just some like random one direction song (laughs) for most people. But like, for me, every time I hear that song, like I start to get like tears in my eyes sometimes because it just reminds me of that moment of it's, it's almost like God reminding me like, Hey, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Um, and, uh, I think, I think it's easy to forget that we're beautiful and that God loves us. And, um, yeah, so that, that song's a little, yeah. a little God moment for me every time, every time I hear it. Um, last song I want to talk about, I want to talk about, um, a BTS song. I'm not that into BTS. I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm probably past, past the age demographic demographic that they're aiming for. Um, but they have this song dynamite, which is really hot right now. And butter, I think is a little, uh, just, just came out a little while ago. Um, but their songs are very much like, Ooh, yeah, I'm cool girl. Don't you want me? Yeah, I'm cool. And we're going to party all night. And it's just kind of this, um, you know, we're going to have a good party. I'm going to look good while I'm doing it. And you're going to want me. And, uh, it reminds me of just the, like the initial parts of falling in love is you, you first meet someone, you first fall in love and just like everything about them is wonderful. And they think everything about you is wonderful. Um, but then at some point you get to that point where you start to realize those things that are incompatible. And so I was hoping maybe we could just take a couple minutes to speak to what, how do we, how do we make that transition from we're in love so we're trying to make this be like a real relationship long term. Do you have any tips for any couples in 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 that space? I think the biggest thing is to pay attention to making sure you're staying up to date on what you know about each other. So in the beginning, it's so easy to 
absorb everything about the other person. What, you know, what's their favorite movie? You know, what time they're going to be at this, you know, class or work, you know, oh, it's about 515. They're probably, you know, rolling up to this block (laughs) on this street, right? (laughs) Yes. And then eventually we sort of lose track of those details. And it's really funny. My husband and I were actually on a married couples retreat recently and they played a, um, you know, not so newlywed game. And so you had to answer all these questions like what's your spouse's favorite movie what um where would they want to travel if they could go anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and i remember just a sense of anxiety as i'm especially as a therapist <laughs> i'm like <laughs> trying I'm to answer these to I'm like, together yeah uh-huh. right i'm like uh-huh. how am i you know help me get all, as i'm trying to answer the questions what i think he would say <laughs> but we forget you know over the years as you make that transition into the newness wearing off, it's really important to stay up to date on everything because yes. we change, we evolve. Mm-hmm. So two, three years in is going to look a lot different than 10 years, than 20 years. And if you don't remember anything except from what you first learned in the yeah. first year of your relationship, mm-hmm. then you might not know that person anymore. Yeah, time to start um, dating again. Right, right, exactly. Um, So I think that is a huge help to make you feel like keeping that same sense of excitement, the mystery of the person alive, because we really do grow and change. I mean, if you think about friends from high school or something and they comment on something about you when you see mm-hmm. them like, oh, remember when you did this? And like, now you're like, I'm not even close to that person That's anymore. Not who I you am know? anymore yeah. mm-hmm. Right. And you do you even know me. And yep. so we have to do the same thing in our relationships. That's awesome. That's good advice. Babe, when I get home, we're going on a date. That's to my wife. And this uh, episode, <laughs> I'm hoping to release uh, right around Valentine's Day. So to all you viewers, listeners, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Regina, give me your favorite three boy band songs. Okay. Motown Philly or yes. no end of the road. I want to say end of the road. Okay. Because it's the ballad. But Motown Philly, I, I really do love. It's I, honestly, I, more my, I my love, favorite. I love the boy band thing when the bass guy is like, baby, I know I did you wrong. Like, that's, so, yeah, yeah. I love that. And that's an end of the road, I think. So, anyway, go ahead. So, yeah. Um, Quit playing games with my heart. Oh, such a good song. Yes. Mm-hmm. And all I have to give. And if I don't know if you remember, but Brian Luttrell gets a lot of airtime in both of those songs. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Those are both very good songs. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love those. Very good. Very good. I think mine, uh, No Strings Attached, um, that was the Ooh. name of the album, but that song is just awesome. And they did like a, a Madison Square Garden tour D- DVD and they start with that song and just like they, they fly in and then they're like marionettes and it's just... They're singing and dancing. It's incredible. And like when Justin, when, when Justin first like steps off and sings his first thing, they like stop and the whole crowd just goes nuts for Justin Timberlake. And it's, he's got his little like macaroni hair and it's, he's in a bandana. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Um, I want it that way. I think is just like, like I said, the quintessential boy band song. Um, I really love, I thought she knew, which is a, a an acapella song that, um, in sync did it's just all acapella mm. joey fatone gets gets a feature um which he didn't get a lot of airtime <laughs> at all yeah. but in that song and he kills it um and then i honorable mention uh one direction's little things by which ed sheeran wrote i really like that song too so i cheated a little bit i threw in a fourth one um regina thank you okay. so much for uh coming on and talking and sharing your expertise with us um so remind us again about your podcast and where people can find you 
Yeah. Um, Connecting Out Loud is the podcast. So you can find it on in most podcast apps, whatever you listen to. And then uh, on Instagram, I'm at Boyd Counseling Services and Facebook, Regina Boyd, LMHC. Very good. We'll put all that in the show notes. And uh, that's awesome. I am Mike Tenney. I am host of Pop Culture Catechism. You can find me at MikeTenneyMusic.com and at PopCultureCatechism.com. And if you would like to become a patron of this show, you can go to PopCultureCatechism.com and pick a tier where you can choose your choose your tithe or choose your donation. And then you get ex- access to exclusive content. Uh, Regina and I are going to talk a little bit about reconciliation for a few minutes. And that will be the exclusive content for this episode. So make sure if you're a patron, you check that out. And if you're not a patron, what are you waiting for? Go to PopCulture catechism.com and become a patron. Regina, thank you so much. Would you mind if we close with a prayer? No, absolutely. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of relationship. We praise you that you have made us for relationship. You have made us for relationship with you and with one another. And especially, Lord, I ask you to be with anyone who is struggling in their relationships uh, to help them, uh, give them the wisdom and the courage to take the next steps in repairing their relationships with one another and with you and even our relationships within ourselves. And if anyone out there, Lord, is lonely, especially at this time of year, Lord, we ask that you would draw close to them and comfort their hearts. We know that you love us no matter what. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Regina. Thank you, Pop Culture Catechism. We'll see you next time.